0: From KUNR Reno Public Radio, this is Priced Out, a podcast about affordable housing. I'm Joey Lovato. In this week's episode, we hear from a few people who have been personally impacted by the housing crunch. And then we have a story from Paul Boger about the lack of public funding for affordable housing. Following that, we hear from Tim Leonard, our business reporter, about how the housing crunch is impacting Tahoe residents. First, though, I sat down with Sarah Peterson, a local Reno resident who told me about how her rent has been rising and rising over the past couple years.
1: So I'm formerly a bartender at Martis Camp Club, which is a private community golf course in Truckee, California. But now I am also looking at taking up a job in Bishop, California at this point.
0: Cool. And why, why are you looking at taking a job in Bishop, California instead of
1: here in Reno? It's just not affordable to stay here. It's just no longer a viable option. Unfortunately, I feel like I've sort of been, just as you guys say, priced out of the housing market here. And for me, Bishop has always been a place that I've considered living other than Reno. And so for me, it was actually a more economically feasible option.
0: Okay, uh, how, long, how long have you been here in Reno?
1: I moved here in August of 2012, Okay, and I've been here since.
0: And how have you seen the, your housing sh- situation change like from that time?
1: Well, I've lived in the same single bedroom duplex for the last five years. So I moved in in July of 2013, and I've seen my rent increase three separate times. Mm-hmm. So it started at 660, month and it increased all the way to 875 in 2018.
0: And so why is this like, I mean, obviously, you know, rent rising this fast and this drastically is a problem. What, how has it affected like your, like your lifestyle? Have you had to like make changes just to accommodate Absolutely.
1: it? Absolutely. I've had to really sort of pick and choose and use my time wisely. It became, it was most important when it came to balancing my school life and my work life. So for me, as I'm you know, going along in my degree, my bachelor's degree, I'm having to spend more time at school. But at the same time, as my rent is increasing, you know, it's more, I have to pick up work. It's more difficult for me to financially balance, you know, my priorities in school, but also I have to make a living. I have to be able to afford my rent.
0: Um, Have you seen this with, uh, like, your friends and colleagues around the area?
1: That I think that the biggest struggle that my friends find is that they can't find an affordable place. They can't find a place that, they are safe in a neighborhood where they are safe to live. Um, so unfortunately, their problems are not necessarily with the fact that they've been in the same place for the same amount of time and they're not seeing their rent increase. It's just that they can't find housing to begin with.
0: Do you see it just continuing to rise? Like, do you see, like, in the future, will do you think it will just keep going up?
1: Absolutely, and that's why I feel so strongly about how I'm being driven. I feel almost like I've been driven out of the market because. I never know when the next price range is gonna happen. It, it, I never know if I, I'm gonna be able to pick up enough work to be able to catch up. The cycle just seems to keep going.
0: Well, thanks so much for sharing your experience with us today, Sarah.
1: Thank you yeah. for having me.
0: Alright, and now we're going to hear a story from Paul Boger about taxes and affordable housing, because nearly a third of the households in the Truckee Meadows are considered either very low or extremely low income. That's according to a report from the Truckee Meadows Regional Planning Agency in 2016. With housing prices continuing to climb, many of those residents are being pushed out of the area. Part of the problem is the lack of publicly subsidized affordable housing. So let's listen to Paul's story about this problem and get a little bit more information.
2: It's mid-afternoon in South Reno and Dane Hilliard with Green Street Companies is walking through the construction site of one of his newest developments. So you understand what this is right, senior, affordable, it's 230 units, it's one and two bedroom units, They're, you'll see the units, everything's in them, they have their full kitchens, washer and dryers and all that stuff in each unit. If you've driven south on Interstate 580, you've probably seen the site, vintage at the crossing. It's just one of several multi-unit developments currently being built on the Truckee Meadows And it looks like when it's done, it'll be pretty nice. And what we try to do is in the units, um, these are gonna be owned long-term. So we spend more money on finishes than you would typically see in an apartment that was gonna be flipped and sold. So we have like granite countertops, vinyl plank flooring, um, which is almost indestructible. But is it affordable? Multifamily and other high density dwellings have been popping up for the last few years. And yet what makes this particular project a little more unique is that it's meant to be affordable, like truly affordable. For a one-bedroom, rent will be about $700 a month, and 830 for a two-bedroom. That's roughly four or $500 a month below market value. And how are they doing this? Public financing. Vintage at the Crossing is one of the first developments in northern Nevada to receive bond money in more than a decade.
3: It takes about a year to assemble the financing for, for these projects. And this was, um, it's located in a special uh, in what's called a difficult development area which allows the project a boost in its tax credit equity and so the developers um, were looking specifically looking for sites that would have this boost in tax credits and this was the first new construction bond project since 2004 in northern nevada so it's it's a big deal
2: that's eric novak with praxis consulting a company that helps developers build more publicly funded affordable housing projects he says many of the incentives are incredibly difficult to get. The federal low-income housing tax credit has been a driving force in the creation of new homes, but it's capped annually, and bond projects have been non-existent since 2004. And despite the credits that are available, rising costs of labor and materials outpace the incentives.
3: We had on this project, we got a dollar eight per credit uh, pricing. The next project we did, we're down to $0.94 cents per credit. So these new programs come out that help you know, bridge the gap and then interest rates go up. And we can't borrow as much money. The value of the tax credit goes down. And so you're con- it's this constant struggle to try and uh, piece together the financing for projects.
2: To make matters more difficult, most low-income projects are fueled by incentives provided by the federal government. But on the state level, there's nothing. During the last legislative session, state lawmakers created a committee tasked with examining the state's current housing crunch and coming up with strategies to address the issue. Democratic Senator Julia Ratty of Sparks chaired that committee.
4: Um, While we would love for the market to take care of everything, the the truth of the matter is that 95% of affordable units are built with some sort of a tax credit program, typically federal. Many other states uh, have state-level tax credits. We are so far behind that I believe personally that it's time that Nevada put some money on the table as well to build more affordable units.
2: But tax credits aren't the only tools available to incentivize the construction of affordable housing projects. Cities and counties can also play a role by limiting fees and opening up land.
4: Every day I just talk to more and more people who housing is their number one issue, and it is just going to continue to get worse.
2: The senator says that leaders just can't talk about the issues in broad terms anymore, because something needs to be done sooner rather than later.
0: All right, and now we're going to hear an interview with Heidi hill She is the CEO of the Tahoe Prosperity Center. Our reporter, Tim Leonard, chatted with her about how the Tahoe community is facing a unique set of challenges. 78% of the homes in the area are either vacation rentals or a second home, while many of the people that work in Tahoe can't even afford to live there. Heidi, thanks so much for taking the time to
5: talk with me. Of course. In the area of workforce housing, what are some of the major challenges the Prosperity Center is working to solve?
4: primary objective is to develop a workforce housing demonstration project, ultimately taking some of those old motels and tearing them down and rebuilding higher density, two, three story workforce housing. But it's 25 years worth of history of, you know, trying to do the right thing for the environment and what has suffered is the community and the economy. Now we're trying to sort of adjust that, but we want to do it in balance so that we promote the right type of development here at the lake and the right type of housing that we need.
5: Your organization recently released a report on economic trends in Tahoe, and one of the things that really struck me was that over a quarter of the people who stayed at the Winter Homeless Shelter in South Lake Tahoe were employed. Is the problem for these workers low wages or high home prices? Where are you focusing your efforts?
4: It's both. Um, And we are focusing our efforts on adding more housing to the community, and that we think will open the door for a lot of these workers to find appropriate places to live. Right now, I I have a friend who is working full-time in our community. She's had a full-time job for more than six months. She makes a pretty good wage, you know, not a high wage, but definitely uh, more than minimum wage, certainly and yet she can't find an apartment that rents for less than $1,000 a month. The affordable housing that we have in Lake Tahoe right now has three- to five-year waiting list, and that's not something that a lot of these folks can do. So they're living in these motels or they're moving off the hill for more affordable housing.
5: Without any substantive changes, what could the workforce housing market look like in Tahoe in, say, 10 years?
4: Without any substantive changes I think we will see a lot of businesses close I was at Heavenly Village on New Year's Eve this year at 9 p.m. and Coldstone Creamery was closed because they didn't have enough workers to stay open until midnight that night on a, on one of the busiest nights of the year we have to address this issue, not just for small businesses like Goldstone Creamery, but for our school districts who need teachers and our hospitals who needs workers.
5: So for people with those jobs, are there any promising projects on the horizon?
4: We've been talking to a number of local developers who want to do good projects. Too many times in our current system, you have a, a proposal for a good workforce housing project. It doesn't pencil. There's too much of a gap. And so what the Developer ends up doing is they go back to the drawing board and they look at what will pencil, and it tends to be million dollar condo projects, which we don't really need any more of up here at the lake. What we really need is the general workforce housing options for our community.
5: Heidi, thank you so much for talking with me.
4: Kim, you're very welcome. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Priced Out. If you would like to learn more about the series, go to KUNR.org. The music in today's episode was by Freedom Trail Studio and Puddle of Infinity. And our awesome original theme song is by the local band People with Bodies. Our editor, Michelle Billman, is a shooting star on a clear night. And our digital producer, Michelle Matus, is our favorite song on a long car ride. Today's stories were reported by Paul Boger and Tim Leonard. I'm Joey Lovato. Thank you for listening.